Hey guys, welcome back to the Friend of God podcast. This is Aura and I am your host. I am so, so excited that you're here. And if you are new here, hey, I hope you are doing well. My name is Aura and my desire is to see people walk in an intimate friendship with God. I pray that as you listen to each episode that you take something tangible and something you can apply to your friendship with God. Well, today, guys, is a continuation of the three-part series, three categories of people that need to rescue their faith. If you haven't listened to part one, I strongly advise you to pause this and you know what? Go listen to it and then come back. Make sure you come back, okay? Make sure you come back. (laughs) For people who have listened to the last episode, today we are talking about the second person who needs to rescue their faith. And who is this person? Drum roll, please. The perfectionist. I am talking about perfectionism today because perfectionism is literally a killer of your faith in God. Perfectionism is so detrimental to our relationship in God. And I'm so excited to dive into this because I am a recovering perfectionist. I am a recovering perfectionist and it's been a crazy journey, but I'm learning And I'm so excited to be sharing, you know, what I've learned over time and how God has really changed my perspective on the way that I approach him and my relationship with him. So what is perfectionism? Perfectionism is basically when an individual is driven to do something perfectly or, you know, the individual may not even do anything at all because of pride or of fear. And um, one thing people need to know is that perfectionism and faith cannot coexist. Perfectionism and faith cannot coexist. So why do I say that? Let's let's break it down. Why do I say this? Basically, God is a perfect God. We all know that. His ways are perfect. What's that song? You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Anyways, okay, side note. But um, yes, his ways are perfect and we are called to put our faith in him. So we are called to put our faith in this perfect God. Why are we called to put our faith in a perfect God if we are perfect? It doesn't make sense, right? So as a perfectionist, you are not going to be able to put your faith in God because now you think or you believe that you can be perfect on your own strength. So that is detrimental to your faith in God because literally... You're just like, I don't see a need for God. And maybe you may not say this explicitly, but that is literally what is in your subconscious mind. How do you know that you are a perfectionist? Just a disclaimer that I'm going to put out there before I dive into this is that these are just a few pointers that you are a perfectionist or you may be a perfectionist. Again, this comes from experience. I'm a recovering perfectionist, like I said in the beginning. It has affected my relationship with God, but I've worked through it and I'm still in the process. So I'm just sharing my my experience, basically. So if you find yourself in these points, that is amazing. If you don't, again, that's great. You can always take something out of this. So the first point is that you feel like you're never doing enough to the point where you feel agitated or guilty when you rest. Or maybe you want to be the best in everything you do 
And if you are not, then you feel like useless. You feel like, wow, has God really called me to be here because I'm not the best? Or maybe you focus and you dwell on your mistakes a lot. And this is something that I actually thought that, you know, even though I walked through that I had um, overcome. But starting this podcast, um, I remember recording my second episode and I was listening to it, re-listening to it just to make sure that, you know, everything was okay. And oh my god i literally started nitpicking all the mistakes that i made and it was so exhausting and the holy spirit was literally like why are you doing this like why are you nitpicking like you are not perfect and that is okay we are all human we all say um we all say okay like these are things that i was nitpicking from the episode and i would re-record over and over and over again and waste so much time it was so exhausting and it really took out the joy it it took out the joy of recording like that episode and you know god has called you god God has called me to do something but he has also called me to do it in joy he has called me to do it in righteousness and he has called me to do it in peace um same with you when god has called you to do something there is you're going to find joy you're going to find peace and going to find righteousness in it however if you are being stressed and if you are not finding it joyful then there's there's something going on there and it's possible that maybe you're a perfectionist like me where you are nitpicking like the things that are going wrong in the um podcast or in the video or whatever that you're doing and so you're exhausted, you have no strength, you're not finding it fun anymore, and now you begin to question if that is actually what God has called you to do. Um, but yeah, I don't want to go off a tangent. Anyways, so the last point is that you compare yourself to others a lot. This is something that's very popular in like the Christian community, um, but I will talk about it later on down the line. Um, so now let's look at perfectionism in the aspect of faith. Perfectionism can look like feeling guilty because you feel like you don't pray enough, feel like you don't read your Bible enough, you feel like you know you don't worship a lot, you feel like you're not doing enough for God. Um, this is something that I struggle with also. It's I have times where I'm just like, oh my gosh, am I really doing enough for God? I don't know. <laughs> um, perfectionism can also look like, you know, for example, me praying in public and thinking about what others thought about it. Or what you could have done better. And because you dwell on those mistakes that you made during the prayer. Or your so-called mistakes. They may not actually be mistakes. But you see them as mistakes. You begin to feel bad. And then withdraw from God. Because you, you're like, wow, God. Like, oh my gosh. I feel guilty. Like, I didn't pray well. That prayer is a way that connects me to you. And I didn't do that well. So I withdraw from God. Um, and I'm telling you that this is a real place. I don't know if anybody else has struggled with this. But this is a real, real place. I would feel so bad that I did not pray well. You know, I would think like I would replay over in my head. I'm like, did I make any mistakes in my prayer? But in reality, I was a perfectionist who had impure motives. I had impure motives. Let's be honest. You know, in James, um, James in the Bible literally tells us that prayers aren't answered because of our wrong motives. Who knows, maybe that's why some of my prayers were not answered because those prayers were self-seeking. I literally was just praying. Like when I was praying, my thoughts were more like, um, what are these people thinking about me? Like I want them to th- to see me as like a, a good person. I want them to see me as someone who can pray and all that. And it, it wasn't coming from the right heart, but 
that is another topic for another day <laughs> i don't want to go off tangent i tend to go off tangent and i really need to stop that but um perfectionism can also look like comparing your walk to the walk of other christians Whew! <laughs> comparing your walk to the walk of other christians in the bible paul says imitate me as i imitate christ right um and I love that. I love that it says imitate me as I imitate Christ. But there is a difference between imitating someone as they imitate Christ, seeing someone's life and seeing the way they follow Christ and being like, wow, that's inspiring. Like you inspire me to do better in my own walk with God. And there's a difference between that and saying that, oh my gosh, that person is doing that. Now I have to do more. There is a huge difference. Comparing yourself is different from um, seeing someone and being inspired by that person. Perfectionism can literally put you in a competitive mode. Um, maybe you can be, you can see someone and you're like, oh my gosh, she's doing amazing for God. And you're going to be like, okay, now I have to do more. Like I have to surpass her. I need to post more on Instagram. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's like that is coming from the wrong heart. <laughs> that is coming from the wrong heart. You're, you're competing in the kingdom of God. We don't compete. We're all running our own race. That's literally what he says. And running your own race means that you are the only one on your track, honey. You are the only one on your track. I am the only one on my track, right? Period. Like you, you're not competing with anyone. I'm not competing with anyone. We're both running our races separately. Um, perfectionism can also come about, um, um, comparison in the sense of, being um comparing yourself but also beating yourself up about it um this is something that i struggled with in the past where you know i see someone and i'm very inspired by their walk but then i start beating myself up like oh my gosh i'm not doing enough you know i'm not i'm not doing enough but in reality i wasn't even i was beating myself up and i was not even using the gifts and the talents that god has given to me and i was wasting those gifts i was not stewarding my gifts well when you beat yourself up about something, when you beat yourself up about not doing enough for God's kingdom or using, um, yeah, not doing enough for God's kingdom, you're literally wasting your gifts and the talents that God has given you. It's like, what are you doing right now? What has God put in your hand right now? Why are you feeling gu guilty? Your relationship with God is different from that person's relationship with God. So what you need to do is stop looking at someone else. Look at yourself. Sit down with God and ask him, what do I need to do right now with these gifts and the talents you have given me? But that is stewardship. Shameless plug. I um, recorded an episode on stewardship. It's called the Kingdom Principle of Stewardship. I believe it's episode two, either two or three. I'm not really sure. But um, yes, go check that out. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God and we must believe in him and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So basically, faith pleases God and believing in God is a must. That's what I'm getting from that Bible verse. And we know that faith in God is believing in God, right? So basically, faith in God is a must. But note that it doesn't say believing in self. Note that it doesn't say faith in self is a must. So let me ask you, are you believing in yourself when you do things or are you believing in God? You see, a perfectionist tends to believe in self. When you believe in self, guess what that is? That is pride and pride is a sin. Proverbs 21 verse 4 says, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. The Bible says that it is faith that pleases God. 
believing in him pleases him. So here's the thing. Doing things out of your belief in yourself is all in vain. It is in vain because you don't believe in God. And if you're not believing in God, you're not pleasing God. So it's all in vain when you're doing things believing in yourself. And maybe that's why you get frustrated and exhausted. And God is just there looking at you like, wow, are you really going to not have faith in me? Are you really going to be a perfectionist and keep failing at what you're going to do or what you're trying to do? Or maybe you're the person who does things because, you know, you're afraid that you're not doing enough or, you know, you're afraid that he's not proud of you. You're afraid that God is not pleased with you. But I'm here to tell you that doing things out of fear, it actually doesn't please God either. It doesn't please God either. Faith is different from fear. If God says he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, that means that fear from anywhere is not from him, right? God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. If fear is a spirit and we have fear, that means it's not from God. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine recently and I remember I was just like expressing my need to do more to make Jesus' name known here on earth, you know, through my life, through everything that I do. And, you know, she listened to me intently. She she really listened. But she then told me, you know, that she assured me, she was like, you're in the right place. You don't need to stress out about the situation. And from her point of view, you know, I seemed stressed out. <laughs> I seemed so stressed out. And, you know, when she said that, I had to ask myself, you know, or what is driving this desire? Is it fear that I'm not doing enough for God? Or is it faith that I know God wants to do more in and through my life for his kingdom and I know that he's going to use me in an exceedingly and abundant way you see faith in God brings about peace faith in yourself brings about stress why because we are limited so when you put your faith in yourself you know that you are limited so you know that you cannot reach the places that you have in your mind that you want to reach right but when you put your faith in God, God is an unlimited God. He is a God whose understanding is infinite. So when you put your faith in God, he literally downloads things to you and he literally builds you up and he shows you that, you know, this is possible with me backing you up. But when you're putting your faith in yourself, you have nobody else backing you up. You have nobody else backing you up. You have nobody else to look to. You're looking to yourself who is limited. And so since that day, I've been asking the Holy Spirit to purify what motivates me to do anything. You know, I want to do things out of faith in God, not out of faith in myself and not out of fear. Because fear is so stressful. Faith in myself is so stressful. It is so stressful. And I'm sure that you can attest to that. So I want to talk a little bit about prayer because as believers, we must pray. Like that's a mandate. We must pray. Luke 18, 1 says men ought to pray, meaning that everybody, <laughs> if you are you're created by God as a man, like basically man and woman, but men, yes, we ought to pray. We must pray. And in prayer, we fellowship with God. That's where we get to seek his face. You know, we get to have a genuine relationship with him. We also get strategies or kingdom ideas that God will give us so that we can bring his kingdom here on earth. You know, in prayer, you get to ask for what you desire. You know, in the Bible, you see like God says, ask and you receive, seek and you find, you know, 
go to the secret place to ask me to to seek me so you can ask for what you desire in prayer in prayer you also get to intercede for other people so we can see that prayer is very important to the life of a christian it is very important and i can testify that when i pray i genuinely come out a different person you know i come out with at least one word from god and if i don't have like a word from god i just know that my spirit received something you know it could be joy it could be peace it could be self-control etc it could be anything so when i know that i received something from god i know that god has spoken to me i know that i literally met with god when i went to pray this literally gives me faith to keep going right and my god is a giver (laughs) my god is a giver he gives so freely and so i've come to realize that if i entered god's presence and i didn't get at least one thing then something went wrong on my end you see god is a father and a good father gives good gifts right that's what the bible tells us it says and i'm paraphrasing because i don't have the verse um in my bible but it says if a father can give good gifts to his children how much more god that's just paraphrasing so if god is our father that means you and i are his children right and so from his point of view we are seen as like little and precious to him and that means that each time we come into his presence we don't leave empty-handed you know i think of like um when i was a child and you know i go to like somebody's house that is a father you know and he literally before he leaves me he will give me something whether it's 20 naira 50 naira 100 naira he will give me something i even with my dad like i cannot go, i cannot leave my dad's presence without him giving me something right so when we come into god's presence we don't leave empty-handed and god is better than our earthly fathers right he is our father 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 <laughs> but i know that a lot of people struggle when it comes to prayer i know a lot of people struggle when it comes to prayer and a lot of people struggle because um they feel like um that they need to pray like a certain way or they need to pray at a certain time or you know a lot of people struggle with prayer that's what i'm trying to say but here's a revelation that i got from the holy spirit to me as a recovering perfectionist (laughs) so basically your prayer life is trash because you're a perfectionist who believes in yourself right and so you pray without faith in god and so your prayers may not be answered because not only do they not please god but they also don't move god's hand now if your prayers are answered you know and you know you you're you're perfectionist and you believe in yourself thank god for god's mercy god is a merciful god and sometimes he sees us and he's like yo you know what you're a perfectionist like you don't have faith in me but i care about you i love you so much and i'm still going to answer your prayer but the thing is that some of us come into the presence of god so nonchalantly because we believe that we can do things on our own we believe that we can do things on our own so we come into the presence of god just like yeah yeah i'm just going to the presence of god like yeah whatever and some of us don't even pray at all because we've relied on our own strength for so long that we don't crave his presence anymore our brains have literally tricked us into thinking that you know what we've got it i've got it this is something that i realized like when i don't crave god's presence i sit back and i'm like 
hmm, am I operating in my strength? So let me tell you, when you don't crave God's presence anymore, you need to ask yourself, am I operating in my strength? Have I been operating in my strength lately? Because if you really understand that you need God, prayer would be your first response to anything. Second Chronicles 7.24 says that if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, right? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, number one, humble themselves. Prayer is an act of humility. Prayer is literally acknowledging that you're nothing and you know that there's someone greater than you who knows it all, right? You can't say that you're praying if you're not humbling yourself before God. It is when you humble yourself, pray and seek his face that you would hear from him, right? So humility is literally saying that I don't believe in myself. I don't believe in myself. I I believe in you, God. You are the Lord of my life. I believe in you. I believe that you know way more than I do. I believe that you have more strength than I do. You have the greatest strength because he doesn't even just have more. He literally has greater strength than I do. So I'm humbling myself and I'm coming into your presence in humility. So you don't have faith because you're not hearing from heaven. A lot of people don't hear from heaven. A lot of people don't hear from God. And so that makes them not to have faith. That makes them lose their faith, right? But in reality, it's your lack of humility that is preventing you from hearing from God. And so that is also hindering your faith. So in order for you to rescue your faith, you need to humble yourself. You need to humble yourself. Come into his presence and know that. I am nothing without this God. I am nothing without his strength. I do not believe in myself. I do not believe in myself. Let me tell you, let me tell you, anything that you're doing in your strength will never last. That's one thing that I've learned in this life. You know, you can start it in your strength without faith in God and, you know, it may do great, but that's for a season because it's going to go down the drain for lack of better words, right? For lack of better words, it is going to go down the drain. Entering God's presence, believing in yourself without humility is a waste of your time. You are in the wrong position and you need to pivot. You need to sit down and think like, how can I enter his presence with humility? Am I entering his presence with humility? Maybe that's why my faith is falling. Maybe that's why I don't believe in God. Maybe that's why I don't believe in his promises because I'm believing in myself. So the same thing goes with reading your Bible. I can testify that reading the Bible literally increases your faith in God and takes you to a new dimension in your relationship with God. You know, I was actually reading my Bible and just a side note, like something I found out is that there were actually no Bibles during Jesus's time. I mean, I feel like I should have known that. I never thought about that, but there were no Bibles. They literally read scrolls. So they, I think they had to go to the temple to read the scroll. They had to go to a certain place to, you know, get the scroll and to read it, which is crazy. But okay, that's another, that's another thing. Just a side note. But here, what happens when you struggle to read your Bible or when you don't read it at all? Your faith in God decreases. You don't have, you have little or no faith in God. Why? Because the Bible is a reference for the character of God. It's a reference for the 
heart of God, his heart for you, his heart for the lost, his heart for unbelievers, his heart for um, the people around you, his heart for your destiny. So if you're not reading your Bible, you're basically missing out on all these great things. So do you struggle with reading your Bible and have no faith in God because you know, you're believing yourself to study every day, just like you've seen others do it. You know, a lot of us have all those new year resolutions, right? You get up and you're like, bro, I'm going to study my Bible every single day. And you don't even involve God in it. You're just like, I must do it. Because I saw other people do it, so I must do it. I think it is okay to admit that you are weak. And it's okay to admit that you need God. I had to admit this to God. I literally had to and I have to constantly tell him that he is my strength. I told him that, hey God, like I actually have a desire to read the Bible more, but I, I don't know what's going on. I have this desire, but sometimes I can't pick up my Bible. I feel so tired. I feel so uninterested in the Bible, but I desire to read the Bible because I would I know that reading it would equip me. In order for me to help you here on earth. In order for me to be a messenger for your kingdom here on earth. So I had to remind him and I still remind him. And I pray that I will never stop reminding him. Because the moment that I do, that means I'm being prideful. The word says that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Meaning that we're going to be weak. Literally, that's what that verse says. We are going to be weak. That's human. We're not going to want to read our Bibles. No. But his strength would help us in our weakness. His strength is perfected in our weakness. When we are weak and we invite God into it, right? He comes with his strength and he helps us. But when we are weak, but we don't even acknowledge that we are weak. So we're putting up, we're putting up a front. It's like that strength. And so because we are believing in our strength we are not attracting god's strength his strength will not come his strength is only attracted by weakness and acknowledging that weakness and when you pull on his strength guys something changes in you something pushes you something compels you to pick up your bible and to study right i've experienced this and i'm saying this from experience but i'm telling you that invite god into your prayer time invite god in when you're studying your bible and i'm telling you something is going to change there's going to be a shift in the spirit and if you read your bible if you're that person that reads your bible because of fear that again you're not doing enough (laughs) or fear that god is going to punish you or for not reading your bible i've said it so many times but fear is not of god and when you read it out of fear basically the eyes of your heart are literally blocked from receiving God's word. Like you don't understand anything. Ephesians 1a actually says, And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know and cherish the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What I want to focus on is this person, I, I think it was Paul that wrote Ephesians He's saying, he's praying, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you will know 
So you don't know things in the Bible because the eyes of your heart aren't enlightened. Fear changes your perspective on things. Fear literally changes your mindset on things. Fear would block the eyes of your heart. I'm telling you. You're going to go into God's presence. You're going to be afraid. You're not going to invite the Holy Spirit in. And you're not going to be enlightened. And I'm telling you that when your um, your heart is enlightened, when the eyes of your heart are enlightened, when you understand what you're reading, when you see what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through that verse, you're going to keep coming back for more. If you are not going back to the Bible for more, then there's something going on with your understanding as well that you need to invite the Holy Spirit into and ask like, Hey, there's something going on in my understanding. Please enlighten the eyes of my heart so that I would understand the word of God. So that I understand what you are telling me through this. Because the word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, you can actually not understand the word. But fear would let you not to invite the Holy Spirit in. You see what I'm saying? Fear will let you not to invite the Holy Spirit in because you're afraid. You're putting on a front. You're afraid that, oh my gosh. I'm not worth it. Like, I cannot do this. But invite the Holy Spirit into the word when you're reading. Invite the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, your eyes will be enlightened. And you will keep coming back for more. But let's look at this analogy. So imagine a little child on a swing. And, you know, this child really wants to swing so high, right? And the child is trying their best to make sure that they get high. And the child is struggling. And the father of the child comes and is like, hey, I'm here. Can I help? That child has two options. Yes or no. If the child says yes, the child will swing so high in the easiest way. But if the child says no, the child will be there struggling to only God knows when. You know, the child could only swing so high because the father has been there before. The father was a child before and the father knows the strategies, the ins and outs. The father can help push the child and the child will swing high, right? And this is how it is with God when it comes to anything in our life. When you're struggling to pray, when you're struggling to read your Bible, when you're struggling to obey him, mm -hmm, when you're struggling to obey God, when you're struggling to study at school, when you're struggling to love people. this This is where... God is like, hey, can I help? <laughs> Hi. And now you have two options, yes or no. But a lot of us don't even hear him asking, right? A lot of us don't even hear him asking or, you know, we just ignore. And do you know one thing I love about my God? He will never get involved if you don't involve him. He's a God that respects boundaries. I love my God. He's a God that respects boundaries. And he keeps to his word. There's that maverick song that says, You're a man of your word. God is a man of his word. Because his word says that he has given us free will. He has given us free will. He has given us free will to do whatever we want to do here on earth. So until you choose to surrender your perfectionism to him. And ask him for his strength. In whatever you're doing here on earth. God is just going to be there waiting for you. He's not going to push your boundaries. He's not going to push. He's just going to wait there for you. So what I challenge you to do is to write out one thing that you struggle to do. If you struggle to read your Bible, this is a new year. We're in February right now, right? Write write out, I struggle to read my Bible. 
I said I was going to read my Bible this amount of times um, January, in January 1st. That was my New Year resolution. Great, cool. But you did it without God, honey. You did not invite God in. You did not involve God. You're still not involving God in this journey. So it's not going to work. So write out that one thing and invite God in. Involve him in the journey. Invite his strength and let him help you. Let him know that you need him. Because right now I'm telling you that whatever you're struggling with, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to invite him in, but he will never force you. But the thing is that once you invite him in, literally his hands will just be like a helping hand for you. His hands will be a helping hand for you. So here's my advice to the perfectionist the recovering perfectionist and anyone who struggles to read their bible anyone who struggles to pray or you know if you will struggle with anything here's my advice surrender surrender is not a once in a lifetime thing surrender is not a one day thing surrender is an everyday thing you choose to surrender each day you wake up you choose to surrender with each each task that you do you choose to surrender and involve god and invite god into the journey God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. It's okay to admit that you're weak. It's okay to admit that you don't have strength. It's okay to admit that you are not perfect. No one is perfect. We are all human. And that is okay. That is okay. But surrender to God. Well, guys, we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. Stay tuned for the last part of the series. I hope that you have a great rest of your week and be sure to subscribe and share with a friend, share with the brother, with the sister, with the sister-in-law, uncle-in-law, father-in-law, mother-in-law, father, mother, uncle, sister, auntie, stepmother, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend. Make sure that you share this, okay? Thank you guys. Bye!